Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in multiple locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information on our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. In the book of Exodus, chapter 6 through 10, is the story of Moses and the ten plagues. Or as I like to call it, uh, this is the story of when God counted to ten. Your mom ever hit you with the countdown? Oh yeah, my mom's much different than the Lord. Uh, She doesn't count to ten, she counts to three. And uh, anytime she needs for me or tells me to do something, um, she would say this, and if if I was a little bit slow in it, she would say, "All all right, Nathan, I am going to give you unto the count of three to, like fill in the blank, eat your vegetables, clean your room, get downstairs, put your shoes on, whatever it was, she'd hit me with the countdown real, real quick. And uh, I don't know what would happen. She never got to three. I never tested my mom in that way. I'm scared to know what would happen if she ever got to, to three. But in Exodus chapter six, verse 10, it's hard to believe God commanded Pharaoh to do something. He said, you are going to let my people go. Release them out of slavery. Ten different times God told Pharaoh to do that. All the time Pharaoh came up with a different response, another excuse, another reason why he wasn't going to do it. The consequences were there were these ten plagues that completely devastated the entire country of, of Egypt. That's the story that we're going to look at today. We're going to go through the, the first nine of the ten plagues. The tenth plague we're going to do a little bit later in the series. And so we're going to run through four chapters today. So pull out your app, get your Bible, words will be on the screen, put your seatbelt on. We're going to get after it. This is the story of when God looked at Pharaoh and said, I'm going to give you until the count of ten to do what I tell you to do. Starting in chapter 6, it says this, Then the Lord told Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. When he feels the force of my strong hand, he will let the people go. In fact, he will force them to leave this land. God looks at Moses and says, All right, big man, now's the time. This is when we spring into action. This is where you're going to realize why I called and created you. You're going to go up to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. And so that's exactly what Moses did. Stands in front of Pharaoh and says, Pharaoh, you need to let God's people go. Release them from slavery. If you don't, there will be consequences. Pharaoh refuses in that. And we see the first plague that God brings onto the people. It's the plague where he turns water into blood. All of the water, the drinking water, the Nile, all water in Egypt was turned to blood. And chapter 7 says this, then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is stubborn and he still refuses to let the people go. So go to Pharaoh in the morning as he goes down to the river. Stand on the bank of the Nile and meet him there. Be sure to take along the staff that turned into a snake. Then announce to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has sent me to tell you, let my people go so that they can worship me in the wilderness. Until now, you have refused to listen to him. So this is what the Lord says. I will show you that I am the Lord. Look, I will strike the water of the Nile with this staff in my hand, and the river will turn to blood. The fish in it will die, and the river will stink. The Egyptians will not be able to drink any water from the Nile. And Scripture tells us that's exactly 
what happened. Moses walked up down to the Nile River with his bad self, hit the stake, the staff in the water, and all of the water in the Nile turned to blood. When the water turned to blood, everything in the Nile died. All the animals was stunk. It was terrible. I mean, like, can you imagine seeing that? Like going home, turning on your faucet, blood starts running out. Like there's no water anywhere. All of it turned to blood. This is the situation that they found themselves in. You would think, right, that that would get this man's attention. But scripture tells us something interesting happens. Verse 22, it says, but again, the magicians of Egypt, they use their magic and they too turn water into blood. So Pharaoh's heart remained hard. He refused to listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord predicted. Moses strikes the water, turns the water into blood, and Pharaoh looks at Moses and says, Oh, cool trick, because I can do that too. And the magicians that Pharaoh had surrounded himself with had this magic trick where they could turn water into blood. So Pharaoh's like, I'm not impressed with what your God can do. I'm not impressed with this feat of magic here that he's done. If you're home keeping score, that's Moses 1, Pharaoh 1. We run into the second. God looks at Pharaoh and says, listen, Pharaoh, I'm going to count to 10, and you are going to let my people go. One, two, the second plague that hits them with is frogs. If you're familiar with the story in verse uh, 1 of chapter 8, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go back to Pharaoh and announce to him, This is what the Lord says. Let my people go so that they can worship me. If you refuse to let them go, I will send a plague of frogs across your entire land. The Nile River will swarm with frogs. They will come up out of the river and into your palace, even into your bedroom and onto your bed. They will enter the houses of your officials and your people. They will even jump into your ovens and your kneading bowls. Frogs will jump on you, your people, and all of the officials. I don't know if we got any frog fans. I know there's some like animal fans in the house, and you think frogs are cool, and they're neat, and they're a pet. Uh, I can agree with you until you read this story, and it said the frogs were in the beds of the people. I don't care what you think about frogs. When they get in your bed, I bet your mind changes, right? I don't know when's the last time you got into bed, you slide into the bed with your sweetheart and you're snuggling in there and all of a sudden, like you're like, ooh, man, your feet are ice cold. I don't know if anybody else's wife got cold feet in the bed. And then your wife looks at you and said, baby, I got socks on. You're like, what is that? You pull the covers back and there's frogs in your bed. I'm getting out of the bed. I'm jumping out. I'm burning the bed. I'm sleeping on the couch. Whatever I got to do, I don't want to have anything to do with that. Scripture says that's how bad it was. They were in their pantry, in their food. You're pouring yourself a bowl of cereal. Frogs come out with the fruity pebbles. It's everywhere. It's a problem, okay? It's not cute frogs. These are a problem. So finally, Pharaoh gets frustrated. He's like, all right, Moses, tell God to knock it off, right? And if I... If I need to free the people, if I've got to let them go, then, then that's what I'll have to, to do. And Moses brought them back. But something interesting happens in Scripture. You know, this magicians, Pharaoh brings the magicians back up and says, well, guess what my guys can do? They can make frogs appear out of the water as well. And Scripture says that the magicians went down to the Nile and they cast their magic wand over the Nile River and frogs began to come out of the river just like Moses did. If you're at home keeping score, that's Moses 2, Pharaoh 2. And that brings me to my first point. I want to look at five different ways that Pharaoh responds to God when God commands him to do something. If you have your app, all the notes will be there. But the reason why this is so important that I want to point it out is, man, I... 
I know this story. Sometimes we can look at Pharaoh and we can bust his chops and say, man, how hard-headed are you? How stubborn are you? How not smart are you? But can I just like, just slide this in here? You are more like Pharaoh than you'd like to admit. I'm Pharaoh in this story as well. The times where God has commanded me to do things where it's clear in Scripture what it means to follow God and listen to God and be faithful and obedient to God, and yet some of these responses that Pharaoh gave to God are the same responses that I give and the same responses that you give as well. Jot this down. Here's the first response that Pharaoh gives to God. God says, let my people go. If not, there will be consequences. And here's Pharaoh's first response. Um, I can do it without God. I can do it without God. His magicians came up and, and God turned the, the water into blood and Pharaoh was like, yeah, I can do that too. Moses made frogs come out of the Nile and, and invade the entire country and, and Moses said, yeah, my guys can do that too. Here, here's the deal, God. I know in your word you have some promises about how you can make my life better, about how you can bless me with things, how you can do things in my life. Um, and I don't know if you are familiar with those things, those promises from God in Scripture, but sometimes when we read what God can do, we will look at God and say, that's cool, God, but I can do that without you. The Bible tells us that God will give us joy and fulfillment and satisfaction, that uh, obedience and faithfulness to God provides us security. It provides us a, a purpose in life. It brings comfort to our hearts and souls. And a lot of people will look at that and be like, that sounds great, God, but you know how I can have comfort in my own life? If I work hard and put a bunch of money in my bank account, I can live comfortably without you. You know what provides me security? When I work hard and I bankroll my, my entire lifestyle and I have that nest egg, I have that, that thing in my life that says, you know what, even if things go wrong, I still have security even without God. God, you say that faithfulness and obedience to you leads to joy and satisfaction and happiness in my life. Well, guess what, God? <laughs> so does all the nice things that I have. Because I can be happy without God. I can experience some short-term joy without God. And sometimes that'll be the response that we give to God as he commands us to things, as we read things in Scripture. God, you may, you may be familiar that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He has your whole life outlined, knows every detail of your life. But yet a lot of people will look at God and say, that's cool, God, you got a plan for my life? Because i got a plan for my life too. i got dreams for my life too. I got a purpose, and so, God, that's cool that you have a purpose, but I can actually do this one without you. And how many times maybe have you responded to something that God has called you and commanded you to do, and instead of obedience and faithfulness, we look at God and say, hey, God, I think I'll just do it my way. You can do something in my life, but God, I can also do something in my life as well. Pharaoh eventually got tired of the frogs, tired of the magic trick, and he asked Moses to pray to God and take the frogs away, and he did. But Pharaoh's heart was still hardened. He did not release the people, and God looks at Pharaoh and says, I'm going to count to ten, and then you will do what I tell you to do. One, two, three. The third is gnats. Now, gnats, little small, they're not like real big, they're not super bad, they're annoying though. Like when a gnat swarms around you, this plague of gnats, scripture says gnats were everywhere. They're buzzing your ears, like they're too small to like 
catch and, and, and smash or hit with a fly swatter. And so, like, it's not that big of a deal, but they're annoying, like, when they swarm around you and you can hear them buzzing in your ear and you're constantly just, like, just swiping in front of your face over your food, just trying to, trying to make sure that, that the bugs don't touch you or anything that you want to touch. That was the third, the third plague here that we read in verse 18 of chapter 8. Pharaoh's magicians tried to do the same thing with the gnats. They were like, okay, God, you, you produce some gnats. Well, let me show my magicians what they can do. They tried with their secret arts, but this time they failed. And the gnats covered everyone, people and animals alike. Verse 19, this is the finger of God, the magicians explained to Pharaoh. But Pharaoh's heart remained hard. He wouldn't listen to them just as the Lord had predicted. Did you hear that? They said, man, there's something going on here, Pharaoh, that, that only God can do. This is the finger of God. We can't do this. Like, we can't do any magic that would make gnats take over everyone. And we see the second response that Pharaoh gives to God, and it's this. You have said this. I'm pretty sure I have said this. I know. Uh, I can't do it, but that's okay. When God commands us to something, when we read something in Scripture that God says, this is how you are to live, this is what faithfulness and obedience looks like, sometimes we can look at what God can do for us, and we can say, you know what, God, I can't produce that in my life, uh, but that's okay, I think I'll skip it. I think I can actually deal without that. Maybe some of you have a desire for a healthy marriage, and when you read in Scripture what healthy relationships look like, you know that they involve service and sacrifice and humbling yourself in front of your spouse, always putting someone else in front of you, always serving, always wrapping the towel around your waist first. And some of you say, I know that that's what the Bible says that it takes to have a healthy marriage, but I'm not interested in spending my whole life serving, so I guess I'll just have an average marriage. I know, God, that you're the only one that can do it, but I'm okay with not having it. What about when Scripture says that if you want real financial freedom and contentment in your life with whatever you have, however much money you have, whatever possessions you have, what happens when you read in Scripture when God says, if you will live your life open-handed, if you will be generous in every area of your life, with your time, with your talent, and with your treasures, it is only then that you will experience true contentment with ever how little or ever how much you have. And God shows you the secret to contentment. And yet some people will say, God, I hear you when you say, if I'll be generous and live open-handed, then I'll be satisfied and content. But here's the thing, I don't want to share my money with nobody. And so I guess I'll just have to be miserable with my own cash. I guess I'll just have to keep chasing the hamster wheel because I'm not going to give away my hard-earned money. God, I know that you gave the solution. I'm just not all that interested in it. Countless times, Scripture tells us how we can experience a different life, a life of fulfillment and purpose and a plan that God has for us. But many times people will look at what the Word says and says, if that's what it takes to be able to have the promises that God gives, then I think I'll just skip it and do it myself. Pharaoh says, my magicians can't do the trick with the gnats. But you know what? They're just gnats. It's not that big of a deal. I, I don't care that they can't do it. I think I'll just live my life without it. So if, if gnats are a part of what it looks like, if you don't follow God, then it's really not that big of a deal. 
The gnats really aren't that annoying to me. God looked at Pharaoh and said, I'm going to give you to the count of ten. One, two, three. The fourth plague is flies. Verse 20, then the Lord told Moses, get up early in the morning and stand in Pharaoh's way as he goes down to the river. Say to him, this is what the Lord says, let my people go so they can worship me. It's like Groundhog Day. Every morning, the same message, the same replay. Meet him down by the river. Say the same thing. Let my people go or there will be consequences. Verse 21, if you refuse, then I will send swarms of flies on you, your officials, your people, and all the houses. The Egyptians' homes will be filled with flies and the ground will be covered with them. You get that, that imagery? There'll be so many flies, you won't even be able to see the floor. It'll be covered with them as far as you can see. But this time, I will spare the region of Goshen where my people live. No flies will be found there. Then you will know that I am the Lord and that I am present even in the heart of your land. I will make a clear distinction between my people and your people. This miraculous sign will happen tomorrow. And the Lord did just as he had said. A thick swarm of flies filled Pharaoh's palace and the house of his officials. The whole land of Egypt was thrown into chaos by the flies. Now imagine this. Imagine like you're at a picnic and you're outside and the flies are swarming. They're all, you cannot keep them off of your plate. They're on you. They're buzzing around. They're getting in your drink you're sitting right beside someone and the flies aren't touching them at all. They're not on their food. They're not on their drink. They're not on their body. They're not swiping. They're just minding their own business, living their best life at the picnic. That's how it was. How odd is that? That literally on one side of town, it can be covered with so many flies that you can't even see the floor. And yet over here, you got a group of people that claim to love and follow God. They're being faithful and obedient, and there's not a single fly in the whole area. God flexes his muscle in front of Pharaoh and says, man, I'm going to prove to you that obedience and faithfulness is the way. I'm going to prove to you that I am God, that I am powerful. In verse 25, Pharaoh called out to Moses and Aaron, all right, all right, go ahead and offer sacrifices to your God. You guys wanted to leave to another land, take a field trip, go make some offerings, some sacrifices to your God, do it, but do it here in this land. Here's the third response. Uh, Pharaoh tried it. I've been guilty of this. Maybe you've tried this in your life, but has, has, has you ever read anything has God ever asked you to do anything? When you read it in scripture, you read it and you, you have this response. Uh, number three, I'll do it most of the way, God's way. Like, God, I know that you've called me to obedience. I know what you've called me to do. But here's the deal. I'll meet you 90% of the way. I'm not going to do it all. Like, I'll go to church. I'll read my Bible. But there are some other things that you've called me to do that just like, I'm just drawing the line on that. Pharaoh says, you guys can go worship, but you're not going to take a three-day trip. You're going to stay right here in Egypt. Have you in your life ever tried to bargain with God? <laughs> it doesn't work out because God bargains with no one. For followers of Jesus, Scripture calls us to complete obedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Partial obedience is disobedience. Obedience with conditions 
is disobedience. So when Pharaoh looked at God and said, your people can worship, but they cannot leave Egypt like you are asking, God says, no, you don't understand. You don't barter with God. You don't tell me what I can and I can't do. The flies were everywhere, but yet this is what we like to do with God. We like to say, God, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to be faithful, like up to a certain point. <laughs> like I'll, I'll do some stuff, but eventually I got to draw the line. God tells Pharaoh, no, you let the people go, and they will leave this land, and they will worship me, and I'm going to give you until the count of ten. One, two, three, four. The fifth plague is livestock. Moses goes up to Pharaoh and says, if you don't do what God calls you to do, then every animal, every cow, every goat, every pet, every animal dies tomorrow morning. Pharaoh, hardened heart, looks at Moses. I'm not doing that. We're not going to do it. Next morning they get up. Every single animal is dead. That's a big deal because they ate animals. They used animals as a way to generate income. They would sell animals. They used animals to plow the land. This was an agriculture uh, society. And so when all of the animals died in Exodus 8, God literally crippled the economy of an entire nation overnight. Every single animal died. And God looked down at Pharaoh again and said, Pharaoh, I'm going to count to ten, two, three, four, five, the sixth plague, skin sores, open wounds, oozing, bloody, pussed up wounds all over your body. Chapter nine, then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, take handfuls of soot, fine sand from a brick kiln and have Moses toss it into the air while Pharaoh watches. The ashes will spread like fine dust over the whole land of Egypt, causing festering boils to break out on people and animals throughout the land. Imagine Moses walking up to Pharaoh and doing this. So they took soot from the brick kiln and went ahead and they stood before Pharaoh. And as Pharaoh watched, Moses just threw the dirt up into the air and boils broke out on people and animals alike. Now let's see if the magicians can do this. Even the magicians were unable to stand before Moses because the boils had broken out on them and over all of the Egyptians. Pharaoh's like, where's the magicians? They can do this. Like They're at home scratching themselves right now because their boils are, are oozing and they're bloody and they're infected and it appeared just, just instantly. We don't know where this is coming from and it covers their whole body. Think it's getting bad enough yet? Surely this is it. Pharaoh's going to be like, all right, I'm tapping out. <laughs> like flies are one thing, but like open sores all over your body. Like it's time, it's time to do the right thing. It's time to, to listen to God. And I think about in this, man, just how many times is God going to give Pharaoh another chance? You ever think about that? Because my mom would have never got to six. I can promise you that about Mama Klein. If you ever meet her, she was not a number six gal. In fact, if she got to two and I wasn't already halfway there, she was already lunging towards me to spank me. It's old school. My brother and I got spanked a lot. That's why we're such outstanding citizens right now. Um, but my mom, like, but I look at God and I'm like, God, you're on six? Six. He said no to you five times and you're going to give him another chance? 
Here's the interesting part in verse 15. It says, God says, By now I could have lifted my hand and struck you and your people with a plague to wipe you off the face of the earth. God could have pulled that moment where your mama looked at you and said, Boy, I brought you into this world and I can take you out of this world just like that. But you know what you see in this story? Grace. Despite the countless times that Pharaoh turns his back on God and does the exact thing that God told him to do, instead of wiping him off the face of the earth, God still responds in grace. God still gives Pharaoh an opportunity to repent. Turn back towards me, Pharaoh. Don't make the same mistake again, Pharaoh. Listen to me, Pharaoh. Faithfulness and obedience, Pharaoh. I'm telling you, this is not going to work out the way you think it will. This is going down a road that you don't want to get to, Pharaoh. I'm giving you to the count of ten, Pharaoh. Three, four, five, six. The seventh plague, hail. Verse 18, so tomorrow at this time I will send a hailstorm more devastating than any in all of the history of Egypt. Quick, order your livestock and servants to come into the field to find shelter. Any person or animal left outside will die when the hail comes. Now I know we're in North Carolina right now. You guys seen North Carolina hail before? You go outside, it looks like you drop the salt shaker in your front yard, like real small, like you probably don't even know it. I've never had my car dented by it, never broken a window by it. We're not talking about North Carolina hail right here, okay? Very different hail of what we're talking about. Verse 23, so Moses lifted his staff towards the sky and the Lord sent thunder and hail and lightning flash towards the earth. The Lord sent a tremendous hailstorm against all the land of Egypt. Never in all the history of Egypt had there been a storm like that with such devastating hail and continuous lightning. It left all of Egypt in ruins. The hail struck down everything in the open field, people, animal, and plants alike. Listen to this. Even the trees were destroyed by hail. The only place without hail was the region of Goshen where the people of Israel lived. Even the trees? You you mean to tell me hail was big enough and it came down and it would chop a tree down? Hail, hail, no. (laughs) I'm getting an email about that. That's serious hail right there. That is intense hail. And that's what came, those were the consequences when Moses, or when Pharaoh refused to do what God told him to do. How much longer are you going to do this, Pharaoh? How hard-headed are you, bro? How just dead dunce are you, man? Why don't you, don't you understand what's going on? Don't you see what God is doing? But when Pharaoh, I think it finally snuck in here, finally soaked into his thick head. When Pharaoh quickly summoned Moses in air and he said, this time I have sinned, he confessed. The Lord is the righteous one and my people and I are wrong. Please beg the Lord to end this terrifying thunder and hail. We've had enough. I will let you go. You will not need to stay any longer. Finally, Pharaoh learned his lesson, right? Finally, it got through his his thick head. So Moses prayed and The hail stopped, the storm stopped, but something interesting happened in the next verse. When Pharaoh saw the rain, hail, and the thunder had stopped, he and his officials sinned again. And Pharaoh again became stubborn because his heart was hard, 
Pharaoh refused to let the people leave just as the Lord had predicted through Moses. Here's the fourth response. Sometimes when God tells us, commands us what it means to be faithful and obedient, here's how we respond. I'll do it as long as I get what I want. You know people like that? They will follow God as long as they got a great job, as long as their marriage is awesome, as long as they got money in the bank account, as long as they are healthy, and as long as they are happy. But wait until something happens that they don't like. Wait until they lose their job. Wait until their marriage is struggling. Wait until they have a financial situation and you will see people look at God and now that God is no longer giving them what they want, they will turn their back on God and walk away. Sometimes our obedience can be conditional. All right, God, I'll, I'll do what you ask me to do as long as you make my life easier, as long as you give me what I want. As long as you make me succeed and my enemies fail, then I'm in. But God, the moment that you stop giving me what I want, I'm out. And Pharaoh was broken towards God. And then, and then as soon as life got better, as soon as Pharaoh got what he wanted, he turned his back. And he used God. And sometimes we can do that as well. We will use God to get what we want in our life. And we will say, I will, yes, God, I will give as long as you bless me. Yes, God, I will serve as long as you continue to open up doors. Yeah, God, I'll do whatever you tell me. I will jump through the hoops if you will make my life better and easier and more comfortable. But God, the minute you don't perform, I'm out. I'll go do something else. I'll go find someone else. And God looked at Pharaoh. That was the only reason Pharaoh repented and turned back towards God was because he's like, man, I, I got to get this lightning to stop. And as soon as it did, Pharaoh went back to the man that he was. God said, I'm going to give you to the count of ten, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eighth plague was the plague of locusts. Now, this is kind of like getting salt rubbed into the wound here. Because the hail destroyed everything. Like it knocked down all the plants, it knocked down all the trees. But here's the bright side of it though. Like if you have a garden and all of your corn stalks fall over, you can still go out there and pick all the corn off. And you can still have the corn. All your tomatoes, like if you have fruit trees and the tree falls over, you can still go out there and like before the fruit, the, the tree dies, just pick all the fruit off and you're good to go. You got seeds for next year and you got food for right now. Not with locusts. God sent locusts to completely consume everything that was on the ground. All the grass, all of the bushes, all of the food, all of the plants and the trees that had just fallen. God not only crippled their economy for a year, but he set them back for now three or four years because now they have no seeds to plant. They have no food to eat right now. Like, yeah, you, you want to grow a tree? You're, you're not going to plant it this year and, and pick fruit next year. It's going to take three or four years to regrow some of these things. Another big blow to Pharaoh. The locust consumed everything that was on the ground, and God said five, six, seven, eight. The ninth plague was a plague of total darkness, Exodus 10. Then the Lord said to Moses, lift your hand towards heaven, and the land of Egypt will be covered with a darkness so thick you can feel it. So Moses lifted his hand to the sky, and a deep darkness covered the entire land of Egypt for the next three days. During all that time, the people could not see each other. It was so dark, imagine this, that you can't even see who's standing right in front of you in your own house. 
But there was light as usual where the people of Israel lived. I can't even wrap my head around that. Like, I know what it's like to live on a street where the power goes out and there's like one or two houses on the street that have a generator and they have their lights on. Like, I can understand that, but we're talking about the sun. We're talking about God didn't allow the sun to shine. I'm not talking about a cloudy day. I'm talking about so dark in the middle of the daytime that you can't see your hand in front of your face. And yet on the other side of town, they could see that the sun was shining over there. I don't know if it was like a big spotlight coming down from heaven, but complete darkness except for God's people. Like I don't even know how to imagine that. I can't even process that, but, but Pharaoh said, that's what I saw. That's what everybody saw. God provided for those that were faithful and obedient in complete darkness for those that, that weren't. And here was Pharaoh's response. Finally, Pharaoh called for Moses, go and worship the Lord, he said, but leave your flocks and your herds here. You may even take your little ones with you. The women, the children, you can have it all, but leave your animals here. Here's the fifth response from Pharaoh. Um, I'll do it. I'll obey you, God, as long as it doesn't cost me. God, I'll come to church. I will read my Bible, but don't ask me to be generous. Don't ask me to give of my time, talent, and treasure, God. <laughs> like, like, don't ask me to spend some of my time investing in other people. Don't ask me to take some of this hard-earned money and meet needs in the city and be generous with it. Like, God, I am going to be on your team until it costs me, until I have to actually give of myself and pour myself out. See, the livestock for Pharaoh would have been income. It would have been a future. It would have been, all right, so we can use these animals to replow. We can use these animals to sell and make money. We can use these animals to provide for our needs. So you can leave, but if you take the cows, that'll actually cost me, so you'll have to leave those here. And God says, no, you don't understand. They're coming too. And Pharaoh, I'm going to give you until the count of ten. One, two, three. Come on, Pharaoh, don't, don't be hard-hearted, man. Don't, don't be stubborn. Don't, don't, don't do anything crazy. Four, five, six. Come on, Pharaoh, like the entire land is in ruins right now. What are you doing, man? Like, just give God what he wants. Just do what he says. Just be faithful and obedient, right? Seven, eight. Come on, Pharaoh, man. Like, how long are you going to miss it, man? How long are you going to run? You don't want to see where this road goes. Eight, nine. Here's the pattern. You ready? Same story happened nine times in a row. The first one is this, uh, God's request. God gave Pharaoh the same request every single time. Let my people go so that they can go out into a land and worship me. The second one was Pharaoh's response. Pharaoh didn't want to do it. He gave excuses. Five different ways he responded to God in these texts. Then what happens when you and I respond to God? There's consequences either way. Every choice, every decision you make, there will be a consequence for it. Then what happens, man, it, it, it gets to the point where Pharaoh is just crying for mercy. 
And he requests relief from God. God, please make a way. God, please make it stop. God, please give me comfort. God, please give me a blessing. God, please open a door. God, please bring some, bring some kind of satisfaction, bring some kind of happiness back into my life. And, and what do you see? God does it. And despite Pharaoh's disobedience, God brings in grace. And then Pharaoh has a choice. How will you respond to the grace that God has shown you? The reason I highlight that is because that's the same opportunity that you and I have today. God has been very clear through his word what he calls us to do. What does obedience look like? What does faithfulness look like? And every day you and I will have a decision. Either we say yes to God or we say no. We walk towards the Savior or we walk away. And I'm telling you, you know this. You don't need anybody to tell you this. There are consequences for every action you take. Every decision you make, you and I will face consequences. And the further you walk away from God, the quicker you will get to the point where you will be begging for relief. God, if you are real, help me. If you are real, make a way. If you are real, take the pain away. If you are real, open up a door, make a provision, give a blessing. And many times in life, God issues his grace. He blesses us even when we don't deserve it. He forgives us even when we don't deserve it. He gives us eternal life through his son Jesus and we, even when we don't deserve it. So here's the move for you. What are you gonna do about it? What are you going to do about it? Let me close with this verse in Exodus 10. Pharaoh's officials now come to Pharaoh and appeal to them, how long will you let this man hold us hostage? Let the men go to worship the Lord your God. Don't you realize that Egypt lies in ruins? How long will you walk away from God? Don't you understand how gracious he has been to you? Don't you understand? He says, I'm going to count to 10. I could have wiped you out a long time ago, but I'm going to give you another chance. Two, three, four. Will you turn to Jesus today? Will you repent of your sins? How long will you let your life remain in ruins? Don't you get tired of living like that? Don't you get tired of the hopelessness and the despair? Don't you get tired of trying to live life on your own? Don't you get tired of struggling constantly when you have a God that says, here's grace, all you have to do is turn to me. Seven, eight, nine, how long will you wait to turn to Christ? How long will it be until you receive the gift that he has for you and you see your life change? How long do you want to stay in the ruins until you realize the gift of Jesus for you today? That's my hope and my prayer. That as you see this story, you wouldn't just see a bunch of weird bugs and animals and stuff that you'd never seen before, but that you would see a person that despite their disobedience, God extended grace and gave them another chance. And today could be the chance where you turn to God and he stops counting. The chance where you turn to him and say, oh, God, I'm done with this. I am tired of the ruin and I want to love and serve and follow you. There's a gift on the table and a God that is very patient and very loving and very kind. Would you consider taking him up on the offer today? to accept the gift that is his son, Jesus Christ. It'll change your life. God, thank you for this story, for preserving it, for all of the weird and intricate details in it, 
that point us to a God that is loving and patient and kind and compassionate, a God that should have turned his back on us long ago, should have just taken us out because of our disobedience long ago, but a God that is patiently waiting, that gives us another day, another opportunity to turn towards you. God, that is kind, that is gracious, that is loving, that is patient. God, give us the wisdom to know what to do with the words that we have just heard. Pray and ask those things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Revo Podcast. We believe everyone has a next step to take in their relationship with Jesus. If you would like more information on what that means for you, or if you have any questions about today's message, please email us at info at discoverrevo.com.